Welcome to Conversations with Anne Elizabeth, the podcast inspired by my book, I'm a Registered Dietitian, Now What?, where I have the absolute joy to sit back, relax, and have a conversation about nutrition with a variety of people who share their personal story of passion and purpose, especially registered dietitians. Today's conversation is with Amy Sarche, a registered dietitian and entrepreneur with a passion for photography and videography. Amy found a passion for nutrition at a young age and pursued dietetics the first day of her college career. She knew almost right away after completing her internship, she wanted to be an entrepreneur and start her own business with a personal connection to individuals struggling with GI issues. Since then, her career has taken a bit of a different direction, but she still finds the joy in being a dietitian by being creative through video. Please enjoy my conversation with Amy. like my admin day. So I was working, but very boring tasks, <laughs> just like all the, all the office C type work. Yeah. Office C and Air and D and all, all the things that aren't very glamorous, but have to get done. <laughs> Do you usually schedule your Mondays to be kind of like your, your kind of busy office day? Yeah. Monday is my, um, like kind of scheduled, like miscellaneous, all the things that need to get done kind of day. And then, um, I have partial on like Friday morning that I do too. And then oh. try to leave the the middle of the week open for like the actual creative and content type of work. That's awesome. Did you, did it take a while for you to kind of figure out that schedule that worked for you as an entrepreneur? Yeah, definitely. I would say that probably like my first year would just like, I would kind of, I didn't ha have like a consistent schedule. And so you're, you kind of feel a little bit crazy all the time. Um, but yeah, but now that I, I kind of have everything on like pre pretty much ironed out on a schedule and it's just like, it just makes everything so much better. I, you know, I think that's the hardest thing. I don't know about you, but when you started, even as a dietitian, which we'll talk about, you know, your, your kind of journey to being in this career that you're in right now, but just learning and navigating that way to schedule yourself and to give yourself free time and to give yourself office time and to give yourself like creative and work time. I think that's a whole nother animal that we have to learn. Oh yeah, for sure. Yeah. Cause I mean, if you're like, obviously if you're running a business or anything kind of along those lines, you have to think about that. But even if you're like inpatient or really any setting, like dietitians have a decent amount of autonomy, I think. And so you, you have to kind of know like how to plan out your days, but I don't think, I don't know, sometimes it's a little bit of trial and error and just kind of continually adjusting because what you think might work might not work. <laughs> That's so true. I think it took me like three or four years because I work in retail and it's pretty much I set my schedule and it took me mm -hmm. like three years just to figure out that I don't need to schedule myself the Monday after vacation and I don't need to see a client <laughs> the minute I walk in the door. And, and I, I don't know. I feel like that's another task that just teaching yourself how to schedule yourself so you can stay sane. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Important. no, for sure. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> and then yeah, when you're the you... boss, that's even more exhausting. <laughs> yeah, no, for sure. I think it just keeps you sane and it keeps, um, you know, the work getting done, obviously. But yeah, the easiest way I found to to finally kind of get into a point where you feel good about the the pattern that you're following is 
is just kind of tracking, you know, what days make, you know, what days you're most productive doing the different tasks. And then anywhere you're able to group things, I feel like, um, I feel like that's good, but I, I agree with what you're saying. Like the, you know, being aware of your time and like, you don't have to schedule somebody the first minute that you're working in the yeah. day, or <laughs> <laughs> like giving yourself a little bit like of time to ease into things sometimes can make things, you know, better actually throughout right. the day. Have your coffee, look at your schedule, absorb what you're going to do for the day. <laughs> right. Yeah, for sure. You get kind of in that mindset. Mm-hmm. How did you track? How did you kind of track? Like you said, you tracked when you're most productive, how did you, did you have a tool for that? Or did you just kind of do like chicken scratches? Yeah, I have, I have to look at what the tools are actually called. So I use a couple of, um, I'm trying to think what they would be called. I I mean, sort of productivity, but like organizational type of tools. So the, the main one is called Basecamp. Um, and it's pretty robust. Like a lot of businesses use it to work on tasks and, projects and you can have teams and things. But um, my husband and I are actually a little bit, <laughs> I don't know, we're a little bit crazy about things. So we have it just for our personal lives. <laughs> oh. And then I also use it for my business too. Um, nice. Yeah. And you can look back at, you know, like when you're scheduling tasks and I would just kind of make it at a point to see, you know, like when, when I was doing things and then like how many things were actually getting done on those days and certain days kind of pop out out like, Oh yeah. You know, like I feel surprisingly like most motivated to do creative content in the very middle of the week, you know, which I expected to feel really motivated at the beginning of the week, but I'm more just like kind of need to coast through my, my Monday and just do a lot of admin tasks. Um, but yeah, that's my main one. And then for day to day, sometimes I throw things in an app called Wonderlist, but it's with a U instead of an O. Um, and that kind of allows me to kind of look at like how I'm grouping things too. Interesting. I'm I'm writing those down because I obviously need some organizational skills in my life. (laughs) So that might be helpful. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. There's all kinds of options too. I'm trying to think there for, cause Basecamp is somewhat expensive, but, um, I, I think really worthwhile. Um, but there's other ones like called Monday is one and they have some really unique features where you can put, you know, kind of like a progress meter for tasks and things, which is really cool. Um, and then I think Asana is another one. Um, there's a couple other popular ones too. Thank you. I like those kind yeah. of resources because those are like, you know, someone that's actually tried them, use them find success with them to share those with other people just who need a little help to organize their lives. And if those tools are there, it's good to have them. So yeah, most definitely. And I, I love sharing the actual names of tools because, um, I I feel like practicality is, is very important and that's something people can take away right away. Sure. And I think it's more and more, there's just so many options. And so it's like, how do you narrow them down? I always get overwhelmed of reading other people's like maybe a blog post or like a magazine article and be like, okay, well, they just named 17 different things. What should I even start with? So getting advice right. is, is nice. Yeah, for sure. Yeah. And I think, um, I guess like another on kind of on that note, another line of advice would be like, I, I do kind of make it a point to, even though I love like my productivity apps or like different editing apps or different things like that. 
um, I try not to get like too stuck on them. And I make it a point to like every time I read an article that has a bunch of them, I just go and download them. And um, on the weekends or when I'm, you know, have free time, I kind of have like a a folder on my phone and I'll go through those apps or on my desktop, I'll go through those apps and just kind of play with them and, and see, cause you, um, the functionality, like you're saying, they're all, they all have their strengths and weaknesses. So, you know, staying up on like what will be the most helpful for you and just kind of trying them out. I, I, I think is the most helpful way to figure out what you like. Yeah. Cause there's so many options and not everybody. Yes. Is so yes, yeah. What one person likes isn't what the other person. That's why we live in America and we have so many options. <laughs> it's great. We do. We have so many options. <laughs> well, we probably should talk about before we get into kind of what you're doing right now as an entrepreneur. Let's kind of go back to when you uh, decided that you wanted to be a dietitian or that nutrition was kind of something that you saw yourself doing when you grew up. Yeah, definitely. Um, so I had an interest in nutrition uh, starting back in high school. My uh, mother was pretty into nutrition and she would go to these health talks with a chiropractor every month. Um, and so I went along with her to those at first kind of begrudgingly. I was I always loved learning, but I wasn't, you know, super into the uh, into nutrition at the time. Um, and I had a really good friend who was into nutrition as well. So when she would come over, her and my mom would be talking about it. And I was like, this is kind of weird. But um, <laughs> but about a year later or so, I I don't even really know what the turning point was, but I just like got the itch to learn more about nutrition and just had a lot of questions kind of about some of the like scientific principles of things like um, like I, I remember just being really fascinated by seeing like the structures of like a saturated fat versus an unsaturated fat and mm. like, Oh wow. That's amazing to see that. Like you can actually look at that, like in terms of, you know, carbon and hydrogen and, sure. and there's actually that difference there. Um, and that, that just was so fascinating. And the, I, I don't know. I just discovered that you could do nutrition as a job and that a registered dietitian was an option. And when I found that out, I didn't consider anything else. You just went straight into it. Yes. That's, I think that's impressive because most of us kind of, again, you fell into it, but you fell into it at a younger age and you, and you just kind of knew from that point on, I'm going to go to school. So you probably then sought out schools that was there schools in your area or did you have to move or what did that kind of outlook for you? Yeah. So I was really fortunate. Um, there was a school about like 30 minutes away from my home that offered the program. Um, it was a smaller program. The uh, university is called Bluffton University. It only has about 1200 undergrad and only about 10, 10 or so students per graduating class in the dietetics program. So it's very small, but um, I really enjoyed it. And it, I was really happy to be able to stay close to home as well. Um, but yeah, that worked out really well. That's And that's, that doesn't happen all the time. So you were really, really lucky. Yeah, yeah, I would definitely agree. I um, It just like, it kind of was just a seamless thing. And even... I feel really fortunate that even the um, like the thought process of like, oh, I want to be a dietitian and just like feeling really steady in that thought and not questioning it. Um, I don't know. I guess I just feel really lucky because I know people 
transition from degrees or things, you know, and may fall into dietetics, which is really cool. But it's really cool too to be able to just kind of know from the get go. I'm jealous because I didn't know that until I was a junior in high school or in college. So I spent a lot of money figuring <laughs> that out. So that is smart on your end. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, I feel like it's just like a little bit of luck, but um, but yeah, but we all get there eventually. eventually. And, <laughs> yeah, yeah. And sometimes too, you learn different um, skills along the way too, if you switch, which can be really cool. That's true. There's a lot of complementary things, I think, to our degree. So it's not going to be too much of a mess up unless you're completely on the opposite end of dietetics. But I feel like you're right that they, there's some cross paths that happen in a lot of different degrees. Yeah, so most definitely. Uh, so where did your internship take you? Yeah, so I did my internship um, through a distance program. So I applied to Utah State University, um, which is focused primarily on school food service. Um, obviously, you get all your rotations um, in the different areas, but basically all of your food service is in the school system. So um, it's really unique in that aspect. And I feel like you got like a little bit more of like some of the businessy type of exposure um, and looking at, you know, different things like financials and um, spend a little bit more time on that. But um, yeah, I did. Since it was a distance program, I set everything up for the Phoenix area um, and kind of surrounding cities um, and was able to complete everything out in Phoenix, Arizona, which is where my uh, now husband was living at the time. Oh, perfect. <laughs> that works out good. Yeah, yeah, it worked out really well. The the distance programs are they're kind of interesting because you um spend all this time setting up your rotations before you even apply to the program most of the time not always. Um and so it it gives you this unique um chance to kind of select sites and places that you would really like to intern instead of walking into a program that already has um, sites set up, which there's benefits obviously to both, but I found sure. it really uh, interesting and um, it was a way to kind of tailor the experiences to what I was really interested in. So you must have had an interest in school food service to even apply to that program. Yeah, I did. I knew that I was interested in doing something um well, I didn't really, I didn't really consider food service actually at first when I was in undergrad, but um, I went to Fancy in Atlanta my senior year, and um, I went to a couple of the meetings um, that were school nutrition focused, and just sitting there and listening to people's experience and what they were doing in the schools, um, I'd known that I kind of wanted to do something that was a little bit more business oriented and maybe not um, just clinical. And in listening to their experiences, I'm like, wow, this is like kind of like a unique um, marriage of, you know, business applications and creative work and food service, of course. But there's just like a lot of dimensions to it that um, are a little bit different than clinical work. Which is really nice because you do get like that. I mean, you're not just strictly doing... Um, you know, you're not just strictly doing menu planning. I think that's what a lot of misconception is. 
Yeah. Yeah, no, definitely. Um, yeah, there's just, there's so much with, uh, with school food service and it's a little bit different in each district, but you know, you have all the government regulations and if it's like a really large district, there's, I mean, you know, you might be operating with, you know, like millions of dollars in your budget. So that, that requires, you know, a, a lot of thought and, um, skills that kind of expand outside of dietetics. That is scary. I couldn't imagine having, you know, managing a million dollar budget. That would for someone else. Like if I screw up on mine, no big deal. But if I would do it for someone else, I would make me nervous. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, for sure. Yeah, even like deca millions um, for some of the larger school districts. But but yeah, wow. it, it really is an interesting. Uh, it's just an interesting field. There's just a lot that goes into it. Did you work with, was there quite a few dietitians employed in your school food service rotations? Um, the site, so the school district I was with most of the time, they had, well, they originally had four and then they ended up having three dietitians on staff and one um, person who was, the role was traditionally filled by a dietitian, but it ended up being filled by a student who had graduated with the degree but hadn't done her internship yet gotcha yeah i think that's good to see that because i you know like for a while it was the lunch lady and you know it was just like someone that wasn't an expert in that field and it's good to hear that there's more and more dietitians in that field oh yeah definitely i think a lot of schools especially as like districts are growing um they if you're if you're getting reimbursement, you have to have a dietitian involved at some uh, level usually. And so a lot of them are just going the route of hiring RDs to manage the program, which is really cool because um, I, I know one thing that maybe isn't the most fun to talk about, but compensation is kind of a discussion uh, quite often with dietitians. And um, if, you, if you're in a management type of role in, mm -hmm. in a school system, then the compensation can be, you know, quite competitive um, as compared to like other, you know, other business entities. So it, it can be a good opportunity if you have interest in that. And if you're also kind of seeking something that um, will pay a little bit better. <laughs> That's always good to hear, right? We always like to hear dietitians getting paid kind of better and well as compared to other, other jobs. Yeah, most definitely. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Yeah. And not to say that I, I think, I, I think exposure is increasing in quite a few fields and I think we are starting to get compensated a little bit better, but it definitely is a discussion that comes up sometimes. <laughs> oh yes. And it always will, I think, especially now too, with, um, you know, master's requirement that's going to be soon approaching. I think that will be a big, like you said, that'll be part of the discussion. Yeah. Yeah. It'll definitely be an interesting discussion. Um, but yeah, time will tell. <laughs> yeah, it will. It definitely will. So post, um, internship, did you, what was kind of the next steps for you? How'd you kind of navigate the first career move? Yeah, it was, it was definitely a, um, a thoughtful choice, but I ended up going down the route of starting my own private practice in the Phoenix area. Um, so taking clients, locally and then also online and uh, tele via telehealth um, type of applications. Um, I knew that I wanted to do K 
counseling, which was actually kind of a switch because I really thought I wanted to do school food service, obviously, before I applied to my my internship and then had a good in- experience, but it just wasn't, um, ended up not being quite like the best fit for what I, um, what I wanted to do. And, and I just really, really enjoyed the counseling at that point. And so you, and I like, I like that you, you know, when you get done with school, I think we talked about this before, but you know how so many of us think, oh, I have to, or are told that they have to have a job in, in some area of nutrition or be a clinical dietitian before they jump into that entrepreneurial place. And you didn't, you just went for it. I think that's amazing. Yeah, I think, I think there's good, like, it's a good thought both ways, but, um, you know, because on one hand, you can get more clinical experience or things that might strengthen you later or even give you a bit of confidence starting out um, on your own. But I don't think that you have to wait. And especially in today's climate where there are lots of people online, especially giving out nutrition advice, I think if you have that um, drive and that desire to kind of move into that space early, then, you know, there's really no reason not to go for it. Um, you know, except for maybe if you're not like quite ready to make that leap financially or whatever, but, um, but yeah, I don't think there's really any, any reason to wait because you learn so much as you go and you might end up specializing in something anyways. And so not that, that clinical backbone or something that you could gain wouldn't be, you know, important, but you're just going to go down a different path and gain different strengths. Did you start out in one area and then end up in a different area when it came to what kind of clients you attracted? Yeah. So I ended up, I started out kind of like a lot of people do just thinking, okay, well, I can, I can see, you know, everything like pretty much. (laughs) And so I'll just take everything. Um, And I did that a little bit, but everybody was saying, you know, niche down, niche down, find, you know, like your like one or two or three areas that you really enjoy working with and focus on that. And I I did, I found it kind of a little bit, um, I don't know, it was, it just takes you a little bit mentally all all over the place while it can be exciting. Um, It's just a little bit, you're never quite as good as you could be if you're seeing everyone or where like if you're specializing. So I ended up going down the route of taking um, weight management clients. So weight, you know, maintenance and gain and loss. Um, And then also uh, irritable bowel syndrome. And I think you probably, I think you mentioned that you kind of had a personal interest yourself in the like irritable bowel syndrome. Yeah, I would say that's still my passion area, even though I don't always talk about it quite as much now. But um, but yeah, I have uh, my own <laughs> uh, journey with irritable bowel syndrome. So the um, for me specifically, the low FODMAP protocol and kind of figuring out my triggers um, and things that way and doing symptom management that way was like honestly life changing. <laughs> um I think I said before, I mean, I don't want to be like overly dramatic about it, but it was, it just was so, uh, it just was such a life change, um, being able to manage symptoms. And so I really, really love being able to, or loved being able to facilitate that for other people, um, and helping them figure out, you know, triggers and symptom management for, you know, something that might've been bothering them for years and years, or even, you know, throughout their whole life. 
I, yeah, the, the FODMAPs is amazing to me because that's, you know, I'm a little bit older than you, <laughs> but when I was going through school, that wasn't even, I mean, that was not even talked about. There was no FODMAP at all, nothing that even discussed that. So I think it is fantastic to work with clients and seeing how the results are and they actually improve their lives. So when you, when you said that you had that personal experience, I don't, I believe you can be as dramatic as you want because I believe that it's so true how it helps people. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Yeah. And it is still, I think now more people know about it. Um, and even more, uh, like new dietitians that are coming into the field are probably better educated on it. But I, I graduated in 2015. And even then, I think it was just like mentioned very briefly. Mm, um, so it was it was more like self-study and things like that to actually learn about it. So I'm, I'm hoping that it's a little bit more talked about now. I think they have. I think Monash has a certification program now. Yeah, yeah, they do. Which is mm-hmm. pretty extensive. So that's something that I think we'll see a lot more dietitians certified in that as well. Probably because of their own personal experience. <laughs> It's too, just for themselves. Yeah, yeah, no, definitely. Well, I mean, it, it's there probably are a decent amount of dietitians that, um, you know, have IBS or yeah. uh, have, because it's about, it's estimated to be about like around 20% of the U.S. Uh, adult population. And then the majority of that is women. So with our field being mostly women, I would assume that there's probably a decent amount of us that, oh, for sure, um, <laughs> yeah, self self studying them their own personal bodies right right (laughs) so how have you been doing your private practice then since you got done with school or have you yeah so i did my private practice um right after getting credentialed for about a year and then um actually had a time where we were about to move out of the state. And so I kind of tapered down clients. And then when was going to restart, ended up actually transitioning into, um, it's kind of interesting, but a little bit out of nutrition, but I do video production for small businesses in Phoenix mostly. Oh my gosh, that's a complete, (laughs) complete difference. So how did you get into that? Yeah. So, um, kind of on the side while I was, uh, doing my private practice, my husband and I were doing some traveling and, um, racing, which is kind of his, his hobby. And so I picked up photography on the side and then started doing some volunteer work and, um, just started playing around with doing a little bit of videography. And we had some friends who do it on like a very professional level. And I always found it kind of their work very intriguing. Um, and yeah. And I think just being like in the racing world per se, and, um, you, you kind of, even if you're a hobbyist, you kind of make a name for yourself because it's such a small niche and just kind of like a small, uh, close knit community. And yeah, I just kind of, started getting hired by people in kind of the motorsports and action sports space primarily. And it, it was so, um, I actually found it, I, while I love counseling and loved, you know, counseling clients, I find the video production even more like interesting and fulfilling. 
That's, well, I mean, that's fantastic that you've kind of fell into that and you've found that you have a passion for it. It's just, it's interesting how you've kind of transitioned. I mean, you're doing stuff professionally for businesses and then you also do dietitian related stuff as well. Is that kind of to keep you in the dietitian world a little bit more? Yeah. Yeah. I, um, so on the dietitian side, um, I produce, um, a weekly video series. So kind of similar along the lines to what you do too, with just kind of raising awareness for what dietitians do and sharing their individual stories. Um, because I just, I love the dietetics field. And so while I was, while I'm, am doing a lot of work outside of the dietetics field, I still have like such a passion for nutrition and for sharing that and for especially promoting dietitians. I just think dietitians are awesome <laughs> and we do so many cool things. Um, so yeah, so it's kind of my way to stay connected to the dietetics world. And then um, I do make a little bit of income doing some branded work and things like that, but it's it's more of, I would say, instead of uh, video production being my hobby and dietetics being my work, it's kind of flip-flopped now. That's really awesome. I mean, I love I love that you're you're staying connected by promoting other dietitians because I feel like we need more of us cheerleaders in this field because there's just not enough of us. But that you're you're finding a good balance between, you know, having this other professional life outside of being a dietitian, but being fulfilled by connecting with other dietitians. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I think it was it was kind of my thought if I'm not gonna be able to be in the field and or I mean can still be in the field, but if I'm not gonna be as active in the field and like filling a, a specific role, then um one of the best things I could do to kind of give back is by sharing other dietitian stories who maybe aren't um, are a little bit intimidated by video or aren't quite as savvy with video or just aren't as interested in it for whatever reason, but are doing, you know, amazing work, like amazing research or things that are generally behind closed doors that people might, might not hear about. And there's a lot of that, I think. And do you feel like, and just in your professional opinion that dietitians are scared of video? Um, I know I hear a lot. Um, and so, and it, it's a conversation that comes up quite a bit and I feel like it's being talked about, or at least I see it a little bit more at conferences and things. There's usually some sort of session on video or things, but it's, it's usually kind of the basics. And then even the discussion you know, people are like, oh, well, I'm just scared to even start. And it makes sense. It's something that we're not trained in. Mm -hmm. It's pretty outside of our, our wheelhouse. Um, but I think it's really important. I mean, video is, it's kind of the way that social media is headed in a lot of ways. Um, and I think podcasts too. Podcasts are really huge right now, but yeah, I don't know. So I think it's still important, um, especially when there's there's plenty of people who might be doing still some good work, but you know, sharing nutrition messages that might not always be completely correct and would be better coming from a dietitian. I and I I agree with you. I think sometimes people just are so overwhelmed, and I think sometimes the education that we get is very minimal and it's very basic. Probably more for you, just because you're farther advanced than the rest of us, but. I feel like we need to be a little bit more confident in front of 
like a camera, regardless of if it's in your home or if it's on TV or wherever you can put your face to nutrition. Yeah. And I would say even confident, it even like goes beyond video. I I was talking with another um, dietitian who actually does, she does research at a university recently. And we were talking quite a bit about, um, I don't know if you feel this way too, but dietitians just in general, we do good work, but just seem to lack confidence in some ways. Like, I don't know. We lack confidence when asking for more compensation or when for like, you know, Oh, should we put this information out there? But there's other people who know far less (laughs) and are far more confident going about things. And I just, we, I'm not sure why. And she wasn't really sure, you know, why either, but there is just kind of this timidness a little bit sometimes with, with the field. And I, it's kind of, it's too bad. Hopefully it gets better. Do you ever see yourself kind of working? I know that you're not working with dietitians in video production, but did you ever see yourself maybe helping out dietitians from that perspective? Yeah, I've thought about it. I've had a few people ask um, if I do like editing or things like that. Mm -hmm. And so I've thought about offering that as a service. Um, That and actually quite a few people, it just keeps coming up recently. Quite a few people keep asking me to um, do like a, a course or something along those lines in video production. Um, So I've, I've thought about it and I, or I guess I am thinking about it, but it's on your radar. I don't know. It's maybe on that's your radar. Where, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's even where that confidence. I guess maybe I need to even need to say that to myself. But um, when you, yeah, you just know when you know some people that are really, really good. Sure. It's hard to be like, oh yeah, I, I have a place in that um, conversation and have something to, to add. But <laughs> well, yeah, especially because you have friends that uh, have you. Have you kind of self-taught? Have you been self-teaching yourself about videography then with yeah. like, your friends? Yeah, I've I've kind of self-taught everything, um, which I think can totally be done in today's you know day and age. You can learn so much even for free on like YouTube and yeah. there's tons <laughs> of tutorials out there. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I have friends that have done campaigns for like Nerf and Discovery Channel and things that are just oh, wow. really high um, level production and they're gorgeous and beautiful. And so <laughs> sometimes that can get stuck in my head a little bit, but <laughs> it's true. Well, yeah, I'm sure they can. But again, like you said, like having that confidence to just maybe be that in between, like you're not nerf and you're not that but you're definitely in a space that you're farther ahead than a lot of other dietitians are yeah yeah no definitely yeah so it's something that's on my radar and um something that i'm planning a little bit but uh yeah but also just trying to figure out the exact route to take um with it but yeah it's something I'm thinking about it takes a lot of work to put to put a like a tutorial or an online class together. So I can understand where that, that task can alone be overwhelming is putting that together. Yeah. Yeah. No, for sure. Yeah. I think I'm still like in the brainstorming stage a little bit of just because there's so many, you know, software options or things, but I think, 
I don't know. I'm still thinking about a little bit whether I want to take the route of, you know, teaching specific like software practical type of things, which is what I usually like to do, or Mm -hmm. if it would be better to go down the route of just teaching general concepts and things that could be applied anywhere. Sure. So when you um, do your, your business, you are are you helping all different kinds of companies or do you kind of just stick to motorsports and doing it for that? Yeah, my work is primarily, I mean, I've had like a few outliers, but it's primarily in uh, motorsports and action sports. So kind of uh, like any like outdoor um, sort of company. So, you know, sometimes it's racing, sometimes it's more like um, hunting and things like that. Very cool. I think that's so. Do you do you like all that stuff? <laughs> like, do you have a personal interest in it? Um, yeah, I find the racing really interesting, just because I I've learned a lot through my husband and just being yeah. involved in the communities. But um, the I would say the other action sports I don't really know a ton about, but that can make it kind of fun um, because you're you're coming at it with fresh eyes a little bit sometimes. So I, I think it's, it's interesting to look at what's already been done and then kind of like see if you can apply other principles and come out with like a really good, uh, you know, promotional video or, or whatever we're doing for the company. Very neat. That's all. I think that's, I think it's interesting how we fall into just different things in our lives. And then we kind of are like, Oh, I really like this. It's really fun. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. No, it's so interesting. It's something I never really envisioned myself doing. It, no. it just kind of, yeah, it just kind of matriculated, I guess. Um, but it's, it's yeah, it, but it's really interesting and it's fun. So if you had to tell a dietitian, not that, there's probably 10,000 things that you could do, but like for just confident reasons of, hey, if you're going to make a video, here's like my top tip of how to make a good video or what you could do to make a better video, whether it's with your iPhone or whether it's with a a phone or is it with a camera or what do you recommend for people to just, you got to say, Hey, get started today. What would you recommend them to do? Yeah, I think, um, I would advise people first to, um, most people aren't completely, unless they've had some media experience, aren't completely comfortable on camera at first. So I would say, you know, grab your smartphone or whatever camera, you know, just whatever you have available, even a webcam, some webcams have really great um, video, but it doesn't even matter for the first few, just sit down, film something and look at it, or even don't look at it, but just do it a couple of times, maybe don't even post it. Um, that's going to get you a little bit more comfortable on camera. Um, and then once you're a little bit more ready to proceed, smartphones are great these days. They have, um, pretty decent quality cameras. Some of them are even film at like 1080p, um, and 720 might be fine too, if that's what your camera films at. But yeah, just start with what you have. Use daylight if you're able to, or prop a couple lamps in front of you. Um, maybe look into kind of like a basic lighting setup is three point lighting. Um, that's something people could Google, but that that'll get you kind of a good, a good start. Um, and then record the audio on your, your phone, um, or on a, like a microphone, if you have it, or, you know, just kind of use what you have and you'll progress as you go. But I think the, the thing that kind of transcends the, 
quality type of issues like audio and video is having like a really comfortable and engaging personality on camera. And that's something that for most people isn't super natural. It develops over time. And so just that, that practice, 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 um, script, if you need like write out scripts, if you need to, but just do whatever, um, do it, just do it a lot to get comfortable. I think that's a really good tip because and like you, like you said, you don't have to post it. Like you could just do a whole bunch of videos and practice for a month or two months or whatever you need to do. Yeah, definitely. And I think also, so the other hand of that would be don't get like stuck in practicing, but, um, but yeah, but maybe set like a time limit for yourself. Like I'm going to just practice, I'm going to do 10 videos practicing over the next you know, month or something in my evenings, just film them and review them and make notes about, you know, what's, what's good. Like when you feel like look most comfortable on camera and those types of things. And then when that month is up, that's when it's time to set the goal and say, okay, I'm going to do my first video. <laughs> do you remember, do you recommend a certain amount of time? You know, is there like a golden, is it, you know, 15 seconds or two minutes or what's that of a good time to to make a video that people will watch hmm. um, I think it depends on the platform so if you're just starting out um, one way to get comfortable is I mean a lot of dietitians are on Instagram obviously showing up in Instagram stories a little bit more you can even pre-film these and just play around with um, kind of doing like a more scripted talk or a more direct talk in stories if you don't want to have that you know on your feed forever mm -hmm. yeah <laughs> um, at first yeah but um yeah if you're doing something on instagram um then you know the the video caps at 60 seconds or whatever and i, I think videos do if they're really engaging, even the 60 seconds is fine. But um, on Facebook, a lot of people go by the um, by like 45 seconds or something like that. But it's a little bit different just depending on, you know, what what type of content you're doing. Sure. Um, YouTube is somewhere around like five to eight minutes is the I think the most recent thing that I've seen that's that has, I don't know, videos that do super well on YouTube. The commonality seems to be kind of somewhere in that sweet spot of five to eight minutes, but that might've changed by this point. It changes all the time. <laughs> That's a changes really quickly. And yes, do you yeah. have, do you have a platform that what's your personal favorite for your platform that you like to do your videos on? Yeah. So I do videos on Instagram, YouTube, and then, um, I kind of reformat or I've just started reformatting my videos for Facebook. I really like YouTube. Um, I'm really enjoying Facebook though recently. And then I guess I kind of enjoy all of them. Um, <laughs> and then Instagram, I kind of play around with if I'm, I don't know, creating a new transition or something like that. It's really easy to, uh, for my posts throughout the week to just throw together a really quick little video and just, uh, I don't know, play around with different transitions and things and see like what the response is to that. And I, and I think that's a good message because there, I don't think there's one platform that's better than another. I think it's whatever you feel comfortable with. Yeah, definitely. And, um, another one that LinkedIn actually is doing a big video push now too. Um, 
And then I don't know if it's dying out, but uh, Instagram has their video app application now as well. So there's, there's all kinds of options um, for video. So just like kind of wherever your audience already is or wherever you really enjoy being can be a good place to start. And just start, just do it. Just do it. Yeah. <laughs> I think, I think they, I think younger dietitians are must much more apt to do it. Whereas like maybe in between dietitians like me and our older dietitian population are kind of like, no way, Jose. But it's still, I think there's a space for everybody. And I think that again, we still need to get our faces out there. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, I, I would agree. I think, I mean, it makes sense because younger, a lot of younger dietitians have grown up maybe with more technology, but, um, but yeah, but then it's, it's kind of that thing of the um, older generation of dietitians um, just have, you know, so much experience and just years of, you know, practice that they could share and, um, you know, with the, with the public or whoever their audience is. So so I think it's really important for, you know, for not just the young dietitians to be on social media, but really everybody. Totally. Because I, I get, you know, sometimes I will get um, someone that says, well, they just don't connect with a younger dietitian. You know, maybe they like a little bit more of a seasoned dietitian or someone that there it's closer in age to them. So that's why I feel like, you know, all age groups of us need to be on social media. So then people that are looking for us can find what they're looking for. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Which kind of comes back to the whole like niche and like everybody has a specific audience kind of conversation, but it's every single person brings, you know, something a little bit different to the table, you know, whether it's experience or knowledge or even just uh, their communication style or their personality and different you know, parts of the population are going to jive or really um, connect with different people. And so I, I really think there's a place for everybody. Yes, me too. Me too. Um, share with my listeners and everybody else just a little bit more about the dial, dial a dietitian conversations that you have. How'd you come up with the concept? And, you know, maybe tell me how long you're going to run it and what's your kind of goal with the with the series. Yeah, so the Dial a Dietitian is um, it's uh, released almost every single week on Sundays, um, and they're interviews, short interviews between like five to fifteen minutes with dietitians, actually not just in the United States but around the globe in a variety of practice areas, um, and they pretty much all follow the same format. But I um, talk to people about you know, what inspired them to get into dietetics, um, what their career path has looked like. And that's always super interesting too, because sometimes there's a lot of winds and twists and turns. And then, um, you know, what they really enjoy most about uh, the field. And then we kind of conclude with um, their advice for people who are thinking about becoming dietitians. So it's been fun to provide that um, for other dietitians to learn about, you know, what other people are doing in the field and then also for uh, future dietitians. So people in undergrad or maybe even not there yet or people who are interns to kind of connect, virtually connect with somebody that they might not be able to intern with or um, connect with, you know, face to face, but they can kind of connect through video, which I think is cool. Sure. 
I love that you're doing that because I think it's always great to hear and see what other dietitians are doing and how many job opportunities there are in just a variety of fields. Yeah, yeah. I'm always so surprised. I think I have a little over 20 interviews up right now. And and I feel like I've even just like barely scratched the surface on what dietitians do and what roles they fill. And it's just everybody has just such different things that they're doing. Um, I don't know. It's just really inspiring. And it's cool to think that there's people all around the world being impacted through these amazing people. <laughs> I 100% agree. We are on the same path, my dear. <laughs> Yes. Yeah. Yeah. We, I feel like we're both like the, well, is your tagline even your, you want to be the biggest cheerleader yes. of our profession? Yes. Yeah. Yes. I do. yes. I'm like, I'm on your squad. Then. <laughs> yes. I always wanted to be a cheerleader. I never was. So this is my way of becoming a cheerleader. <laughs> yeah. There you go. It's our, it's our, uh, dietetics promoting squad. Absolutely. We need, we need to get uniforms and pom- I always liked pom poms too. I always thought they were so cool. <laughs> Good. We should get uniforms. We'll wear them to fancy. <laughs> we could. That would be a- <laughs> when we show up. When I show up next year, don't laugh at me when I'm wearing my little cheerleading outfit. That'd be hilarious. I might have to do that. <laughs> it would. It would make us. St- it'd be a good conversation. And they'd be like, "Who's the crazy lady in the cheerleading outfit? She's nuts." <laughs> oh, funny. Well, I. I think. I just think everything that you're doing is fantastic. And it's just interesting to know that you're you're a whole lot of other things besides just what I think we see on the dietitian end. And it's exciting to know that you're having a lot of great success. And I would definitely hope that people will reach out to you for maybe some entrepreneurial advice as well. And maybe some video advice would be you'd be a perfect person to reach out to. Yeah, yeah, no, for sure. I love connecting with people and I have people message me all the time asking about, you know, apps or editing questions or things like that. And I love helping out. So definitely don't feel intimidated or think that any question is a bad question because I I love connecting with other dietitians. Well, good. I will put all your contact information in the show notes and anyone can always email me to get those. So thank you so much. And now I have to ask you the really hard questions because everyone tells me these are the hard questions. So (laughs) everything else was easy compared to this, but why don't you share with me some of the foods that you enjoy? Okay. This is easy actually for me. So it won't be a hard question yet, but um, if I could eat, if I had to eat the same thing every day, it would be tomato soup. I love tomato soup, Caesar salad, probably mac and cheese and pizza (laughs) that you could live off of that. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) For sure. Yeah. You get a lot of mac or a lot of good nutrients, right? (laughs) Tomato soup. Now tell me more about that. Cause that's, that's, I've never had that answer before. (laughs) Really? No. Yeah. I would say tomato soup is like my, uh, I'm like, Sometimes I'm like, I don't want it to be a dietitian-y answer. That's like <laughs> genuinely what I love. But um, ever since I was a kid, I've just, I actually didn't really like tomatoes, but I've always loved tomato soup. And I, if there's tomato soup on the menu at a restaurant, except for a select few that have awful tomato soup, I always get it. <laughs> oh my gosh. That's great. Well, so I think tomato soup is, do you make, do you make your own as well? Or do you just like to kind of order it out? 
Yeah, that's the funny thing. I actually don't make it much at home. <laughs> like it, I out. just order it out everywhere. Yeah. <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> uh, do you have a favorite beverage or beverages that you enjoy? Um, I'm really big into the um, sparkling waters right now. <laughs> I'm kind of going down the route of trying a bunch of different flavors, but um, but yeah, I like sparkling water uh, in cherry. Cherry flavor is my favorite right now. Oh, I'm so with you, girl. I love the cherry sparkling water. It's delicious. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know. I I was um I've actually never been much of like a, a soda drinker. Um, but now <laughs> I drink more uh, I mean it's sparkling water, but I drink more carbonated beverages than before. It's have. not like it was a replacement. <laughs> it's just like a <laughs> a new obsession. <laughs> I I well there's so many options. I mean, every week there's a new brand that came out with a new flavor and it's endless. Oh my gosh, yeah. And there's even ones now um what was it? I think it's like the Kroger brand. They have a, a like a Dr Pepper type of flavor and Coca-Cola type of flavor now. So now they're even kind of mimicking the flavors and like regular soda and they're actually pretty good. But hilarious. I didn't know. I haven't seen those. Well, I'll keep a lookout for those because yeah, they're actually they're really good. (laughs) Interesting. Uh, Do you have a favorite scent or a favorite smell? Um, Anything vanilla. Mm, That's always a good one. You can't go wrong with vanilla. No, you can't. It's just like a nice, I think kind of uh, even at the holidays and stuff, there's like a lot of vanilla. So I think maybe that's why I like it. But yeah, it's just a nice smell. It is. Do you have a favorite color? I like um, not a specific color, but I like warm colors. So like your reds and oranges and a little bit of yellow. I could tell that by your uh, website. You just have a very really oh yeah. good <laughs> yeah you have a yeah, very warm yeah. website with your oranges and yellows and a little bit of red and yes yeah yeah no for sure yeah I kind of went with I just went with colors for my business that I identified with and hopefully they speak to other people too but I'm really happy with it <laughs> that's good and that's how it should be right it should identify with you and be who you are right right yeah especially when you're the, like the face of your brand or <laughs> kind of. <important. laughs> And why don't you share with me what brings you joy? Um, I think this might be a harder question, actually. I mean, there's <laughs> lots of things that bring me joy, but I'm like, this is like an existential type of question. <laughs> I, <get it. laughs> um, I think just spending time with uh, people that I love and um, doing things that I love. And that's would be my my answer yeah that's a good that's very good i like that (laughs) it's very (laughs) thought-provoking well amy i have very much enjoyed talking to you tonight and i look forward tonight it is tonight no one probably knows that it's night that we're talking at nighttime but and if anyone that needs any help or any encouragement with videography you are a girl and i thank you for all that you do Oh, yeah. No, thank you so much for having me on. And this was really, really fun. I'm glad we got it all worked out. And it's It's been really fun to chat. A few tries, but we got it. (laughs) Yes. Yeah. (laughs) 
How awesome is it that we work in a profession that offers us the opportunity to trickle into other passions? Amy is one of those dietitians who always goes back to her roots, even though she does other things. She has a fantastic YouTube channel full of great videos, and I always enjoy watching her Dial a Dietitian series to get to know other dietitians in the world. Make sure to go to the links in the show notes to connect with Amy and follow her on YouTube. My website, AnnaElizabethArdy.com, is where you can read the latest post in my Nutrition Nauseous blog that is the home to the diary of my life, including my hell yeah happenings, adventures, food I'm noshing on, my music inspiration, and what I'm loving right now. You will find all my previous podcasts, show notes, and links to things we talked about during all my conversations with these inspiring humans. My book is also available to purchase on my website, and I hope we can connect on social media by finding me on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, and Pinterest at AnnaElizabethRD. Remember to be great always, find the joy in each day, and to start a conversation that truly matters.